Freeze him. Elder, how, how are you? Doing, sir? You doing good? How you doing, man? I'm doing all right. Uh, yeah, so welcome to another uh, episode of our Discernment Amongst Youth podcast. To the listeners out there. And today we have a very special guest, Elder Jonathan Finger. How you doing today, sir? Doing good, man. I can't complain all as well. How you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Um, we're glad you decided to do this interview. We feel like you have enough or a lot of information that you can share, not only to us, but also to the young people. Um, okay. So you want to start out by just giving us a background of yourself? Uh, well, I pretty much grew up in church all my life. Started going way back when I was about eight, nine years old. Uh, got baptized there when I was 12. See the Holy Ghost when I was 19, all the way back. Uh, over a period of time, the Lord allowed me also to uh, start working in the church. Started working first uh, with the bulletin committee. Mm. Uh, Ella, Clark, Ella Clark had just passed in 95. And uh, the people that took over to do the bulletin, I thought it could be done a little bit better. So okay. I, I pretty... I pretty much stepped up then to say, hey, you know, give me an opportunity. And uh, I started with the Bulletin Committee and started working, which really is, it gave me a chance to really start working because uh, it's one thing to do something every now and then. It's another thing when you're expected to do something consistently. So it gave me an opportunity to work on something consistently in church. And uh, I felt the sense of responsibility to raise the standard because up until that point, you know, the bulletin was like a, I think it was maybe like two to four pages uh, kind of thing. And I kind of beefed it up a little bit more, added some more pieces to it to make it a little bit more exciting to do. Which really kind of turned to be a little problem because you could always hear when the bulletin would come in church. Yeah. Before, before the bulletin come in, everybody is clapping and singing. And as soon as it come in, you start seeing the claps kind of go down <laughs> People like reading through it and stuff like that. So that was one of the first things I started doing. Then the second thing I did was uh, when uh, Elder Roof retired from the kitchen, uh, Brother Horace Tate took over the kitchen and pretty much gave me an opportunity to step up and be a waiter. So I started doing that. So it's like, you know, certain things as doors start open and you start working more and doing more, it kind of help you with your sense of responsibility. Because it's one thing to come to church. It's another thing we can start doing things to give back to the church that you go to. Nah. So that that started to open up a little bit more doors. And then uh, eventually, um, Deacon Swindell at that time, he was the young people's president. And uh, he wanted to kind of step to the side a little bit. So they didn't want to put or pick one president first. They went with like a, like a youth almost like a youth council kind of leadership thing. It was about eight to 10 of us. Mm. And then out of that group, out of that group, uh, eventually they, they wanted to see who was going to be the one to kind of rise to the top. Then out of that group, the opportunity came where uh, I had an opportunity to serve as far as I'm being president. And I was in that position for a while. I started in like 2001. And I stepped down in like 2013, so mm. 12 years. That was, it was a long time, but you learn a lot, man. You learn a lot, so that kind of give you like a little brief history of uh, me and my time there. Oh no, that, that's, that's that's perfect. That's perfect. Um, so like taking it back to your formative years, um, 
when did you begin attending the way back to Pentecost church? Uh, my parents started coming there, which is funny because I moved, my family moved to DC when I was like around four and it just so happened, um, my parents were in like a, a business thing and there was a meeting at a house on the same block of the church. Mm. So when they when they was going to a business meeting there, I don't know if you remember uh, a brother by the name of Donald Thomas. Now I'm too young for that one. <laughs> oh yeah, so he used to go the way back too. But they were Donald Thomas and uh, Sister Carter and my parents. They were all in this uh, business venture, and they was meeting with some people at a house on on our street. And it just so happened when they came out of the meeting, they met your grandfather, and they drummed up the conversation. So when they started talking, that's when your grandfather found out that my parents were saved and what church they was going to. Mm. And they, so he was like, hey, well, you know, it's Apostolic Church right here. So we started coming and we started liking it. And I remember um, coming to Sunday school, um, uh, the pastor's, the pa- Elder Bratcher's mom was my first Sunday school teacher when I came. Nice. So I remember going to Sunday school, uh, you know, rising through the ranks of Sunday school. First it was her, then it was, uh, I remember James Plummer, he was my next teacher. Then your grandmother, Mother Sanders, was, uh, those two was my favorite two Sunday school teachers, really. Nice. Because uh, Elder Plummer, what was excited about him was he took us out on, on a Saturday. I never forgot that. He took the whole young people class out on a Saturday. We went, I think we went to a museum, then he took us to go gaming, and then he fed us. So I ain't never forget that, man. <laughs> And then uh, the the most the most fun class had to be your grandmother class, uh, Mother Sanders, because she would talk about real stuff. Mm. I don't care what the lesson was on, she knew how to make that lesson relevant to teenagers and the lives that we were going through. So like so like you know you know just like church rules would be like uh, you can't wear rings. Right, 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 right. So she would say, hey. You know, I still got my class ring. I don't wear it. And she was like, you know, it's still in your heart. You know, don't don't think you're just killing something just to follow rules. Mm. She, you know, she would just break things down to where you could really understand it a little bit better. She didn't just throw out just the church jargon just to throw it out, but she would break it down to where you could you could understand it and be a little bit more palatable. And she was real with it. She understood our passions, our desires, and she broke it down. She really related with us and we would get passionate we would have talks and everything we would get passionate and she was cool man like it was a it was a good class by the time i which warmed me up for the next class was was your uncle uh <laughs> philip martin class and that class was on the chain bro <laughs> <laughs> that class they, they went through the roof but he he really broke broke you down with the reality of salvation mm. And he would say this. He said, I did everything out in that world. You know, I had girlfriends, I made money, but I realized it wasn't worth it. He gave you the real the real truth to the thing. And he said, I had to fall in love and learn how to fall in love with the Lord because he said, I did all that and I still wasn't happy. Mm. And a lot of times people tell you, you know, the world is fun, this and that. But at the end of the day, they don't tell you about the times that they're going to bed and crying at night. You know, mm. they're tired of doing what they're doing. How, how do I get delivered? How do I get a breakthrough? So just coming up through the ranks through the different classes, man, you know, everybody had their own different teaching styles. The only only class I regret not going to 
was uh, Elder Clark's class. By the time it was time for me to go to his class, he had already passed. Oh, but wow. That's one of the classes I was really looking forward to because his class was very studious. He always had, like, charts and graphs. And, like, he really broke the Bible down from a more structured school style. Mm. So I was looking forward to going to him, but I never got a chance to make it. By the time I got to Elder Ronald's class, that was the baby class, man. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta, you gotta have your scriptures together by the time you get to his class, man. And, and he would, he would make it where you, you know, he could argue from both sides of the angle, man. Like he, he gonna really try to make you dig and really wow. look at the whole scripture. So it was, it was a good time, man. Real good time. No, that's good. That's good. Um, before we go to the next point, like who, in your age group? What other what saints can you name that was alongside you in those Sunday school classes? Oh, pretty much. Um, in my in my class that I was in, you had uh, Daryl Tate, Faith Sanders, uh, uh, Elder Joe Ward. Uh, a lot of workmen was in that class. Brother uh, Stewart, uh, uh, Brother Charles, the sisters. They was in that class. It was like that was that was the uh, brother Tony, he was in the class. Was oh, nice, before. nice. Yeah. So, where was anybody the, I guess, the studious one in the class that everybody looked to to answer a question whenever everybody got stuck? Nah, it was open season for everybody. That's man. good. Because, because, uh, pretty much everybody had their own part as far as you know, knowing different things. So it was like open season. Everybody helped each other out. It was cool. And that's good. That's good. I, um, I know we talked briefly. Um, offline about the three elders and I know you stated that you couldn't remember too much about the three elders but could you tell us what you do remember if anything at all uh, okay so you know I mean it was it was different each one had a month so every month the rotation changed a lot of times this how it would go Elder Clark he was real good. He was he pretty much preached the word. A lot of times he was uh, he, he taught on love. Uh, Elder Plumber, he was more more like a real preachy kind of preach. He had a little style with him. Your grandfather, <laughs> it was fussing, bro. <laughs> it, was, it was fussing. That's hilarious. It would come a little hard. Yeah, it would come a little hard. But then it would, it would kind of make you appreciate when the other months are coming because the, each, each of them had their own different styles. So it was all different, man. Wow. Different. Not... You, I, I didn't see... Now, it's funny because when Elder Plummer and them left, then it was Elder Clark and, Elder, and uh, your grandfather, Elder Sanders. But you didn't see Pop Sanders really mellow out until Elder Clark died. And I think he realized he couldn't keep that same style all the way through. Gotcha. You can't come hard and hit hard because that's how it, it, when it was Elder Clark and Elder Sanders, uh, 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 your grandfather would come a little hard, but then you know Elder Clark would come with the with the bomb to kind of rub you down. You know what I mean? Mm. So it's, it, they kind of balance out. But I noticed when when Elder Clark died, your grandfather realized he couldn't do that style the whole time, so he came more of a like a fatherly approach like a like a you know like a shepherd kind of thing it was a little bit different right it was a different style he had to mix it up a little bit and it really kept the church together it really did so with you describing each one of their uh ministries or whatnot um would you say it was a perfect balance whenever they switched months or 
how would you interpret that? I think really, to be honest with you, what really kept it really working was pretty much Mother Temple. Mm. Even even with all three of them with their different styles, and even though she was not considered the quote unquote pastor, really she was the pastor. Wow. She held that position because of everything pretty much ran through her and everything. So she was that glue that kept all, all of that together and really kept that church together and running so that yeah, you had those three three men leading, but the real leader quote unquote underneath that church was definitely most of of course. I mean she she taught every Tuesday night. Mm. I don't care who money was. She taught every Tuesday night. And, and she got one Sunday out the month, which was second Sunday, and she was the missionary president. And she ran the business affairs of the church. Mm. She was the one and you look and you look at what she did, even with her not having a college education, the bills were always paid. I think she saved like two million dollars. That's huge. Absolutely, absolutely. That, that's yeah. That's heaven. Church was paid off and and no debt, and she saved like two million dollars. I mean, that's a, that's a great accomplished job she did with what kind of leadership she had. And she was not the pastor, but it shows she had a lot of she had a lot of pull and rank around there, and she she led the church very well. Even with even with those three elders, she did it. So what? So what can you tell us about Mother Temple uh, as far as her character, um, who she was as a person? Can you shed some light on that? Uh, the, the Mother Temple I met and knew was was a was a to me was a nice person. She was one of the ones that after service was over, she had a line because people were going out to talk to her, you know, to shake her hand and stuff like that, and she she would know. She would know if you had not come to speak to speak to her in a while. She would say little comments or like <laughs> I haven't seen you in a while, stuff like that. I remember one time I was sitting in Sunday school and I was kind of slouched over a little bit, and so she would do. She would end Sunday school review, and one time she was talking about you got to sit straight, sit your sit with your posture straight. She was talking talking to me pretty much, and I chuckled and stuff like that. But uh, she was she was a nice person, man. You know, you, she would come in and. She would praise the Lord. She wouldn't staunch you like that. She would, you know, move a little bit. She would, she move that much. She would nod her head and rock a little bit, you know. So it, it was a good, it was a good harmony. It was a good fit. No, that's good stuff. Good stuff. Um, so, um, being that you came to the Way Back to Pentecost Church when you was eight, correct? About eight, nine years old. Yeah. About eight, nine years old. Okay, so could, could you lead us up to the time when the Lord began to deal with you? Um, and then tell us the experience of you receiving the Holy Ghost. Um, and just give us a background on that as well. Well, I, in one part, I do believe what really helped me out a whole lot was uh, hanging out with the brothers mm. on weekends. So uh, my mom, when I was in high school, my mom allowed me to hang out with uh, your cousins, Pat, Nate, and Daryl. Mm. Then they all hung out with the workman boys, which was Danny, Matthew, and Stuart. And on weekends, we all got together, Tony included too. We would all get together every weekend, whether to, you know, get haircuts or go to other services or just, just chill out and just be, you know, young people. And what it did for me, it made me realize you could be saved and it didn't feel like your life was like over kind of thing. Because growing up, Growing up, I used to think, like, when you get saved, man, you can't do this, you can't do that. <laughs> right. 
Fendi does. Uh, I hung out with them and realized, hey, you know, you can't be safe and, you know, have some kind of, you know, decent normal life. It ain't like you like a robot or anything like that. So I started hanging out with them. And then on Friday nights, they would go to young people's. So at the time, it was Nika Swindell. He was the president. Um, Vanessa Knight was the assistant president. And uh, Tony's mom, she used to help out too. Uh, Sister Charlene Robinson. So they would have Friday night young people. And um, they would have like different classes sometimes. Or they would always have at least, at least prayer maybe like once a month. So... One Friday night, I came out. We we was having they was having prayer night, and I wasn't you know I wasn't expecting to do anything, but it was it wound up turning to like a Terrian service. And so I'm trying, so I was in there trying to get the Holy Ghost, and man, I was yelling, screaming, mm. spitting, hollering, everything, and I didn't get it. And bruh, I was hot, man. You know, I don't know about y'all, but when you feel like you're trying to get the Holy Ghost, you don't get it. You don't walk away happy sometimes. You walk away mad. Absolutely. Absolutely. I didn't want to talk to nobody, (laughs) nothing. I was like, oh, my goodness. So I got home, and I told my mom, I said, I tried to get the Holy Ghost tonight, and it it ain't happened, right? Well, no, no, no. What happened was I went home. I went to bed. I woke up the next morning, and it was still still on me. Like, man, I was, like, still devastated. Mm. So I told my mother, I said, um, Trying to get the Holy Ghost last night, it was real challenging. She said, "Well, you know, well, what, what did you what did you do?" So I told her what I did and stuff like that. So she started. She gave me some encouraging words, and so I said, "Well, I still want to get it." So mm-hmm. she said, "Well, um, who who can you call? To, you know, can you go to the church today?" I said, "It's Saturday." She said, "Yeah, nobody you can call." So I called one one sister, and she told me, um, uh, "She said I don't even be able to make it out today, but she said call Deacon Swindell." He may be able to help you. So I called Deacon Swindell. He said, uh, can you meet me down at the church in a couple hours? I said, yeah, I can meet you down there. So he said, let me gather some uh, some help, and I'll meet you down there. So I got down there. When I got to church, your Patrick Tate was down there with his father cleaning up the church because his father used to clean up the church every weekend. So they let me in the door. So I got in. And I was, I remember Pat was tinkering on the piano when, that's when the piano used to be on the left side of the church. And I was sitting on the front row and I said, Pat, I said, I don't think I can wait for them. Because I was waiting for Deacon Swindell to come. I said, Pat, I don't think I can wait. I said, I feel like going for it now. So Pat's like, man, go ahead, man. Ain't nobody here. Go for it. (laughs) So I got, I got started praising the Lord, you know, and I never had a problem. I never had a problem getting a stammering lips. And so I was up there praising the Lord and I got to that point. But I did not know how to go no further. Mm. You know what I mean? I didn't know how to get to that crossover part. So it just so happened when Deacon Swindell walked in, they saw me, you know, up there going for it. And this is what he said. He came up and wished me on head. He said, believe you got it. Mm. And so even though I'm praising the Lord with my mouth, you know you're still talking to the Lord in your mind. That's right. And it just so happened when he said that in my mind, I started saying, I got it. I got it. That's what I started saying in my mind, man. It just started speaking out of my mouth mm. and I couldn't contain it, man. I started speaking the tongues, and it just so happened that, uh, Phantom had showed up and they had, uh, one of the workman girls 
and I, cause I felt somebody roll on my feet, and they said she was down there speaking in tongues too. Mm. And it just so happened that that was on that was back in uh that was on a Saturday in 1993, and that, after I spoke, your father was down there, and your father walked in. He's like, "What is going on here? <laughs> I feel something in here. What in the world is going on?" That's all. I said, "I just got the Holy Ghost." He's like, he, "He said I know something happened. I can feel it up there. I don't know what is going on over there." Wow. And man, it was it was amazing. And what was so tight was that. So I had, when I, when we left there. We went to the work because it was on a Saturday. We went to the workman house and I saw Deacon Workman. And Deacon Workman told me this. I'll never forget it. They said, Deacon Workman, he just got the Holy, he just got the Holy Ghost. And Deacon Workman said, like, You just got the Holy Ghost? I said, Yes, sir. I just got the Holy Ghost. He said, All right, the fight is on. Uh. I, said, I said, The fight is on. I thought, I thought, I thought this was supposed to be victory. What is this? The fight is on. He said, The fight is on. And we went to Morning Star that night because they had a revival at, uh, at, on Dick Street. They had Noel Jones. And more style, like, you know that had the best of time. Oh, yeah, they had Noah Jones. Yeah, yeah. They had no, and that man Noah Jones wrecked that place mm. that night. It was all the time. You know, you you, you first you say everything is that's exciting. exactly that's right. Exciting. Every song is exciting. Every service is exciting. Everything is exciting. But uh, it was one of the best things that ever happened, man. And it was at the right point in my life too, because I was nineteen, just out of high school. Mm. Thinking about doing some other things, and I and, and uh, it, it's like the Lord saved me at the right point. It was great. No, nah, that's awesome. That's good. That's I mean, awesome. that's just that's just staring me up back to when I first got it. So I totally understand. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so, what about the call to ministry? At what age did you feel that the Lord was leading you that way? Um, did anyone see that in you and pulled you to the side and put you in a place to you know exercise that gift at all uh this is one thing about it when you when you grow up in church all your life especially if your parents are in ministry a lot of people try to put that on your parents that's right and that was that's, that was not something i wanted to that's do. true that's true i wanted to be a deacon mm. a deacon had power they got their own role they could throw <laughs> people out of the church i wanted to be a deacon that's what i wanted and you get to take them off yeah, and you get to count money all day. So when I first got saved, every time they would call me up to count, man, I thought I was in heaven, man. Oh, man. Sitting, standing up there counting and people walking around, I thought that was the best. The preaching thing, I didn't want to do none of that. But then every now and then, they would, you know, way back, way back is one of those churches out of all the ministries, they really prepared preaching on a lot of people. Mm. And so they they kind of cultivate that because you can come down on a Tuesday night, they can call anybody. Mm. You know, Thursday night it can be anybody. It can be brother so and so 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 so. You got a word, blah, blah, blah. and you see some of them go up, do well, and you see some of them die before <laughs> they get up there. <laughs> they, they ain't got nothing the song may go, but when they get up there and start, you know. Also, exercise and preaching. Oh man, man, it's like Sunday school review in the morning or something like that. It's kind of challenging. So wow. they they weed wow. through, but one thing they try, it's like they cultivate preaching more in people than any other other gifts. When I say any other other gifts, I'm talking about like uh, maybe prophecy mm. or or um, anything else. I think out of anything, they they kind of cultivate preaching out of people more than anything. So I was running from that, man. I didn't want to do that. that. That wasn't my thing. But the opportunity to serve as a youth leader 
kind of opened the door more for me to exercise in that. Mm. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it is what it is. So, at what age did you become, age the, did you become uh, the, the youth president? Uh, that was 2001, so I had to be 26, 27. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. So, so becoming a young people's president, um, what are some things you've learned with working with the young people, especially with that being your start in ministry? I'm going to say this too. Uh, the only reason I was able to get it because your grandfather saw I was about to get married. He ain't want no single brothers. What? <laughs> being, what? Yeah, he ain't want no single brother being over no young people because he ain't want nobody uh, running through the system. Oh, wow. Like that, so. oh, wow. So when he saw I was about to get married, he said, oh, oh the brother like he's trying to, you know, calm down with himself and, and, and step up with some responsibility. And he said, hey, I think this would be good. Wow. Okay. So, but, wow, but, okay. but, but, but stepping up in youth leadership it really gave me an opportunity to really serve and understand young people with where they're at and what they're going through. And it really helped me understand really not only ministry, but the power of auxiliaries. Because at the end of the day, the parent body does not do a lot of stuff. They, they have services. And they have where the doors are open to the church, but really when it comes down to the interaction with members, it's really through the auxiliaries. And every church is different. Our church had auxiliaries. Other churches may have groups or stuff like that, but our church have auxiliaries. Now, I learned a lot because in the beginning, I was trying to do stuff for young people. Mm. And that was, that was a big mistake. And I had to learn from it and realize I can't just do things for young people. I have to do what benefits the whole church from a young people's perspective. That's interesting. Wow. And the reason I say that, sometimes you can have a revival where it's only good for young people. Young people ain't got no money. (laughs) That's true. That's true. It's the older people that's paying for that revival. So whoever you bring, it has to be something that, you know, benefits the whole church. Mm. But it, but it can come from a young people's perspective. So like on uh, when we would have um, just a case in point, I give you an example on. Um, it used to be a time when I first took over young people's president. Now you think about this: we had Sunday school. I'm just giving you an example of Sunday. We had Sunday school, Sunday morning service. Then they used to have a young people service. Then eight o'clock service, mm. right? Nobody was really coming back in that format. Nobody was really coming back for the eight o'clock service. That thing was getting light because mm. it was a long day. I went to your grandfather. I said, "Pop," I said, "People ain't really coming back for eight o'clock service." I said, "Is that possible to make a change?" All right, son, what you want to do? <laughs> so I said, "I said, why don't we cancel?" Why don't, we, why don't we cancel young people's service? Because young people's service was every Sunday at 6.30. I said, let's cancel young people's service at 6.30. Let's bring the Sunday night service up to 6.30, but keep the keep this, this talk of the format. I said, it's, I said, missionary, they already got second Sunday. They already got day format. Let the prayer body have the, have the first Sunday. Let the young people have a real service 
on third Sundays at six thirty, and let the Brotherhood have four four Sundays at six thirty. He said, "All right, let's try it out, see how it goes." We tried it out, so it cut the time because at that time, morning service usually getting out at two thirty three o'clock. You talking about a, a, a literally like a five hour gap before Sunday night service? Mm. It cut it cut that time down where you can go get dinner, come back around six thirty, service will start. He saw that the numbers started coming back up for Sunday night service. And he, so he said, it's a great idea. Let's go forward. But then what I did was I made sure that for the young people's services, make sure those services are on point. And when I say that is, you got you to gotta give it a little bit. I can't have that service feeling like a missionary service. I can't have that service feeling like a parent body service. I can't have that service feeling like uh, a brotherhood service. I got to have it feel like a young people's service. Young people's service have to have energy and have to have uh, flexibility because a lot of times you see people in services, uh, as soon as the spirit get moving, then you got a group that want to control that. Mm. It is you're doing everything to project with God to move, then when God start moving, then, we, uh, it, you know, you would hear certain statements like, uh, uh, now we come to the most important part of the service. You know, it's not all about the praise and the shout. No, the whole service is important. Mm. Every every piece from the beginning of service to the end, the goal is to get into the presence of God. If you got that thing lined up right, his presence might come before song service. His presence might come in testimony service. You, you know, so you can't sit up and just make it look like it has to get to the point where. Uh, you know, like when they get to the word, that's the finality of the whole thing. No, God can move at any point. And when you when you open up your mindset to really go where where God want to go, man, He'll blow that service out the water, man. Mm. What do you do? What do you do when God come in the testimony service? Is it really time to live offering? Not at all. Not at all. No. No. Mm. It might it might be time to put the speaker up. It might be time to put, go with the altar call. When you're able to really get your heart as a leader to be, because that's the one thing about it. When you're a leader and you you are over a service or auxiliary, then it starts with you. When you can develop a sensitivity to where God want to go, you'd be surprised where He take you, and it may be unorthodox. You just have to flow with Him, flow with the Holy Ghost. So a lot of times. What I would do before service start, we had prayer on the altar, and I'm praying for that sensitivity to find out, God, what you want to do today. Because just, just how you do it in one service one way, he may come a different way another way. So you got to pray for that sensitivity, man, to, to float with him and figure out where he want to go. And you'd be surprised what he do, man. He started doing some great things. Wow, now that's good stuff. That's 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 encouraging to hear. Uh, so... At what point in your ministry or being ministry the young people's president did you come to that uh, realization? Or was that something you always had from the beginning? No, I think it, I think it, a lot of time it was trial and error because uh, I, I, at one time I didn't know or have a real sense of how to do that. You know what I'm saying? So it was something I was praying for, seeking for, because I, I wanted to see things done. Because uh, there was a there was a time where the church was really going into like a real drought. It was a message I was preaching one time, and it's on DVD. And I said it. I said, "Y'all said last year who got the Holy Ghost? 
I said, nobody got the Holy Ghost last year. It was it was it was going through a drought up in there, mm. man. And I and I knew something had to change. So there was a heart for me to start seeking for people to get the Holy Ghost. I I is to at one time you would see an altar call, or let's say an evangelist come, and the altar get flooded with 30, 40 young people, and nobody get it. That's frustrating. Mm. It was like a drought going on where the where the where the altar was going through this point where nobody was getting saved, but then they were going to other churches though. We was having young people going to Church of Jesus Christ getting the Holy Ghost. They was going to uh different camps, youth camps that want to start getting the Holy Ghost, but they weren't getting that home. And I remember Deacon Workman came to me, he said he said, What's wrong here? Mm. Why didn't I get in here? And man, that was a challenge because growing up I never seen that problem. Somebody wanted to get the Holy Ghost, they was getting it. So what changed between there to now? So that became a sense of urgency. And I realized it's God that gives the Holy Ghost. Right? That's it. That's it. If God gives the Holy Ghost, then he's stamping what is preached. He is stamping what is displayed. He's stamping what is going on. If nobody's getting the Holy Ghost, something something ain't right. Mm. It's a challenge. And man, the first thing we started doing, I put them young people on the fast, brother. We start fast. Man, you think I would get a, a pat on the back for the fast that we was doing? <laughs> man, <laughs> they should shoot. They would shoot me through the woods. <laughs> And, and, it, and it was I was surprised that it really wasn't the young people that, that the issue was, it was coming from. It was older saints coming to me. Mm. Talking about you, you fasting the young people too much. And I was looking like, what? You, you, I'm fasting the young people because they say you can't make God do anything. Y'all fast too much. I, I was surprised. I thought I would get, you know, oh, wow, you really, you know, the young people come together. But we kept on doing We kept fasting. Got preached on, oh, Lord. talked about all that stuff. But let me tell you something: when God came through and saved that first one, it shuts everybody's mouth. Wow! And sometimes you you have to have God stamp you, stamp what you're doing, even when everybody else is coming against you. And and this and this is the one thing about it: it wasn't as if the criticism was coming from the pastor. He was for everything. A lot of times, the, it's the other people who are not passing. Mm. Those are the ones that's trying to manipulate you. Mm. And young people sometimes go through the hardest manipulation because you look at these people with respect because they got the years, but a lot of times they want to kind of keep you in control, keep you in contained and stuff like that. But, man, you got to let the Lord use you. I mean, it wasn't like I'm, t- I'm taking the young people to the club. Right, or, right. Right. Those are crazy stuff. We fast, <laughs> you know right. that jealousy right. and stuff. When you look at when you look at what Jesus went through when he was born, man, there was a group killing them young people, mm. man, because they didn't know where Jesus was at, and that goes on in the church today, brother. There's some people still trying to kill young people. Regardless, I, I, I ain't gonna tell you what this other church. They was telling me they were the young people was going at this other church. The young people was going up to help people get the Holy Ghost. Going up to encourage and turn people. 
and they had older ones coming up. Are you certified to do? This? Are you certified to help somebody get the holy Ghost? Wow. Are Are you serious? I mean, but you know, it goes on in a lot of churches, man. But you just gotta go with God, and sometimes you know you think you don't get a pat on the back. It's not always like that. You just gotta go through to the fruit manifest of where God was really trying to take you. And uh, eventually, that altar got healed, man. When people started getting the Holy Ghost, you know, the wound became healthy. Mm. When folks started speaking, and it's not hard. That's the other thing too. It seemed like before, up until that point, it was work. So you got people yelling hallelujah, spitting hallelujah, screaming hallelujah, shaking and convulsing. You got to do all that to get the Holy Ghost. The biggest part of getting the Holy Ghost is believing mm. that He's going to do That's it. Right. It's a gift. There's no work in it, man. That night before I got the Holy Ghost, I screamed, kicked through a chair. I ain't get it. <laughs> Spitting and everything. I ain't get it. It's not it's not it's not by actions. It's not by you gyrating or screaming or yelling. No. It's really believing. Mm. There's some my mother told me this one time. They used to have people at her church who were deaf. Right? She said they never tarried. I said, What do you mean by that, Mom? She said they would call them up, explain to them, tell them what they had to do. They didn't go through no holla, holla, hallelujah. Right, right. Screaming and gyrate. They were cold. You know, their eyes were, they, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. They was, um, they, were they blind? They were blind or deaf. They would just close their eyes and they would meditate, you know, talking to God in their mind. Mm. And then would speak out. I remember talking to Sister Clark. And Sister Clark played a tape for her mother. And her mother was on the tape saying, I don't know where all this holla, holla, hallelujah came from. Mm. She said they would call the saints to the, they would call the ones seeking the Holy Ghost to the front and the saints would gather around them and it would be the saints praising God and the Holy Ghost would just fall and the sinners would just start speaking in tongues. Wow. We went, people, people have adopted this thing almost like you got to work to get the Holy Ghost. You don't have to work for Mm. it. You don't have to work for it. You just have to believe. You know what I'm saying? When Paul, when uh, uh, Peter was preaching at Cornelius' house, while he was preaching, the Holy Ghost got to moving, and then he, and then it, they just spoke out. Mm-hmm. There wasn't no effort at work, you know, like that. And it, 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 as much as much as we believe God to do something, we need to have faith for people when they come to receive. And but they need to know it's not work. Sometimes we make it look like a challenge, you know, and uh, make it too hard for some people, man. You know, no, that's good. That's that's good stuff. Um, I mean, I think, I think, I think, especially nowadays, I think a lot of people are in the, I guess, the traditional way of doing things. Sometimes it's hard to break tradition, especially when it comes to, um, especially when it comes to turning for the Holy Ghost or whatnot. Um, so yeah, it's it's, it's one of those things that people really want it. I guess they definitely have to go after it and get tradition out of their mind. You know what I but mean? But this, but this, is the th- but this is the thing about it: you come broken. Mm. You don't go. You don't go to the hospital trying to get healed. You don't go there halfway healed to get healed. When you go to the hospital, you already bleeding. You already cut. You come there to be healed. It's the same thing with the sinner. The sinner don't come like he's already a saint to be saved. The sinner comes broken, it comes fragile. God is the one that can work with that. 
sometimes we try to make people look like they halfway a saint for them to receive mm-hmm. the Holy Ghost, and that's not that's not the case. That's not that's, that God doesn't God doesn't have to work like that. There, I've heard stories of people come in slam drunk mm. and start speaking in tongues and sober up, coming there high, and God can save them. So, but we we kind of put that that legalism and that traditionalism on people, and then it be kind of hit and miss because what with this person doing it better than me? You know, you think you got some people that, that the challenge sometimes at the altar is. The person is going through their mind, did I live good enough today to receive it? You ain't going to never live good enough. It's by the grace of God. That's it. That's it. You know what I'm saying? That's it. Shoot, my, my fa- the day my father said he got the Holy Ghost, he came. He said he came to church and he was smoking on a cigarette. And he said, this is the last time I'm smoking a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> and he went in there and started sneaking his tongue. Wow. You know what I'm saying? So it's not it's not based upon did you live perfect that day, and we, and you know sometimes for us as church kids, the center will come the way back sometimes and get it quicker than the church kids because we got so much in our mind. That's true. Did I live right? Did I do this? Oh no, I just cut so and so out. I just stole the <laughs> cookie today. I just lusted after this girl. I I, I know I ain't gonna get the Holy Ghost. And we and we put this big old block in our mind, and then we don't get it. And then at the service, somebody come to you. Oh, just be encouraged. You get it. You like if you don't get out of my face. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> yes, I'm indeed. Tired yes, indeed. I'm tired of hearing that. Yeah, this And it seemed like this. It seemed like this thing that's so far out, like you can't reach it. And that's not the case. You know what I'm saying? That's not the case. And then by the time you do get it, you realize, man, it really wasn't that hard to get. Because you, you got to a point where you got so desperate, you was like, I ain't leaving the day without it. You know what I'm saying? No, that's good. That's good. Um, we uh, so we got about 15 more minutes, so I want to hit you with two more questions. Um, I can talk about that all day, which we were just talking about. That was good. Uh, but so recently, I'm not sure if you listened, but I recently posted a message of you preaching. Uh, who is he? Who is he? Um, so, I mean, if, if, so, if you I mean, could speak, if, to if, if it, speak to um, it, prior to getting, prior the to getting the revelation, could you just explain that process explain of that coming, process to that point? coming to that point? Well, I think, I think at one time growing up in the, in the way I grew up, where you, where you, you're looking at it one way, it takes a little time to kind of really open your eyes to look at something another way. But then it's the one thing about it is the day you realize how Jesus is from Genesis to Revelation in every aspect, then you see the totality of God. When you look at Jesus, Jesus himself is the full expression of who God is from a tangible perspective. Outside of outside of Jesus, all you see is God the Spirit. Mm. When you look at Jesus, you really see from a tangible expression the totality of God. Now, case in point, now I'm really pushing a little bit further. You look at the woman that was caught in the act, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everybody there to stone her, right? Yes, sir. But the true heart of God is in Jesus. Jesus says this, woman, where are thou accusers? 
Then he says, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. Mm. A lot of times growing up, all we hear is about the Old Testament version of God of judging, the harshness, the coming down on you. But the New Testament, you don't see that. You see the real love and gentleness of God, Mm. how he's there for you. So by the time that you see Jesus, you see from 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 Genesis up until Jesus, you see at different points how God would do whatever he can do to try to save you. Mm. He will become whatever he has to become. And from from a legality point, he had to become a man because it was a man that got us in trouble. Mm. Adam was the one that got us in trouble. To get us out of trouble, it had to take another man. But when he looked around, he saw nobody that can do it. Mm-hmm. So that's when Isaiah said, I saw that the Lord, through his own right arm, extended salvation. And he put himself in a body to redeem man. That really shows you the full love of God mm-hmm. of what he would do to save you. Like I heard one preacher say, say, for you to go to hell, literally you have to walk over the grace of God to go to hell. Mm. It's not like he's sitting there laughing because he wants to throw you into hell. You literally have to walk over the grace of God to go to hell. Because he really will do anything he can to save your soul. Yeah. And he reaches out. When you look at that cross, man, that cross really shows the full love of God. Mm. And you will, you will not find no other religion. Go look it up. No other religion where the God they serve laid down his life for his for what he created. Mm. We 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 the only religion where you see the love of God where he laid down his life for what he created. That's amazing. It is, it is. I was gonna say when I first listened to it because I wasn't in church at that time, but um I had found the C D. Uh and yeah, just listening to it, I, I was I was uh I was just amazed at your testimony. I didn't even know that that was a thing. Especially, you know, of course, me being young, a lot of people, we don't know their testimony leading up to where they are today. So, I mean, hearing that message was, had got me, you know, had got me excited. I was telling people about it, but it seemed like they were there to witness it. So, but I was good. It was good to hear. Um, could you tell us, this is a final question. Um, what's something you think young people often miss when in church, whether growing up in the church, um, Coming into the church, getting saved. Is there something you think that young people miss or don't they don't quite grasp in their youth? Sure. I think one of the biggest things young people miss is building that true relationship mm. with God. A lot of times when they come in, they build that relationship with the church. They want to come with all the services and they want to adhere to the rules and they give off this great public showing when at the end of the day you'll find 10, 20 years go by and you never built that real relationship with him. Mm. And and really it comes down to getting to the point where you please him. Can you get to the point where you're really hearing from him? I know, I know what they're saying across the pulpit. And I, it's funny how Deacon Workman, he, he used to say this all the time. He said, you got to get in that word and know it for yourself. Mm. 
Because sometimes if you're not doing that, if somebody says something across that pulpit and you just, you gotta, you gotta, your, your grandmother, you say it all the time. She grabbed the sand and she said, you gotta eat the meat and spit out the bones. You can't just get up and just listen to everything that come across that pulpit and think that everything that come across that pulpit is thus said the Lord. Mm. Sometimes people get up and preach and they preach with their own mindset is in that message, their own desires is in that message, what they're going through is in that message. It's not like it's a hundred percent word. You gotta you gotta eat the meat and spit out the bones. But every time you open up that Bible, that's straight word. Mm. It's pure. Every time you're able to pray and get a word from the Lord, that's what you're able to stand on. But if you never take that time to build that relationship, you won't have one. That's just, here it is, you dating somebody. If you don't spend time talking to them or they talking to you or you just talking to them, but they never talk to you, that's a one-sided relationship. But if they're able to commune with you and you're able to talk back, you have a real relationship and it takes time to build. And, and sometimes we don't always make a lot of time for God, but we make a lot of time for church. Mm. We in, we in those services as much as we possibly can, but are you spending that same amount of energy on a one-on-one basis when no church is around? That's on you. And a lot of times you come to church, you come to church. I believe God set up church to motivate you, to help you, heal you, to build your own personal relationship with him. That comes through reading that word, that comes through prayer, that comes to doing those things spiritually to the point that he becomes real. And a lot of times, a lot of young people, they go through, when they don't build that real relationship, when it's time for them to really go through this world, if God has not become tangible to you and your life, you can be overcome by the devil. Wow. Very easy. Very easy. Very easy. If he hasn't become real, when you in that situation, because a lot of young people, the first thing they go through is relationship and sex. First two things they go mm. through. Uh, a lot of them struggle with a lot of uh, esteem issues. So then there's other, that, that opens up other doors and stuff. When you're in those situations, who do you call upon? Mm. But if God is real and you can hear from him, that girl can be butterball naked. But if you can call on Jesus, that's it. He'll come by and deliver. That's real. That's real. But if you that's don't real. know him, if you don't know him, and you see that you see that naked thing, you are gonna lock that's, that door and say, "Well, let, let me take a, let me take a sample. <laughs> let me take let me take a little taste of something." Next thing you know, now you bound, mm. and we know you bound. We call you to lead prayer service. You shake your head. Oh Lord. You used to shout all over the place. Now you ain't shout. I mean, that's the stuff about it's so obvious, you know. Right, right, right. right, right. You, you came in, you used to sing every song, you used to shout, you used to do everything. Then you get quiet, and we know something's wrong. Mm. You know what I'm saying? You know, and then sometimes you're looking for somebody to aid or help you or call you out. But then you really don't want to be on a public display. Like when we grew up, man, everybody was man. That man, he called you out. Man, you can't do that these days. These young people feel like they're getting killed. You call them out. They feel like they're about to be on suicide by the time you call them out and tell them what's going on in their lives. You know what I'm saying? But we got to teach people how to build their own relationship with the Lord. Mm -hmm. When you look at Jesus on that cross, you see 
you see both his arms extended. And he's trying to connect man back with their creator. Back with their father. He's trying to he's trying to connect us both back together. That cross is like a connector, man. He's trying to connect the humanity back with divinity. And you have to build that relationship for yourself. And he's on the inside of you. That's why he came to dwell on the inside of you to help you, but you have to cultivate it. Mm. Well, you know, ain't nobody forcing you to do nothing. What why does the church have to call you on the fast? Why can't you call your own? Mm. And then when you and then when you get on the fast and you shut things down, why after the fast do you bring those things back? Mm. No, that's right. That's right. That's true. If he gave if he gave you deliverance and you stopped doing these things to, to help your fast, then maybe I remember one time I went on a fast. And you stop doing this, you stop doing that. And I'm not saying the stuff you stop in the sense, but it's not it's not helping you build yourself spiritually. And when I was coming off the fast, it it's clicked me kids. They said, Why pick those things back up? That's it, because you know it's funny, it's almost like exercise. You know how people are on a diet. <clears throat> and you know, actually, you know, as they exercise, they did a good job that week. You know, it's that uh, it's that moment of having a cheat day. You know, right? right. You know, it's, you 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 pretty, your workout is pretty much for no. After you worked out, you went to the gym, ran the track, then you come in and say, "Well, I deserve a burger." You know what I'm saying? So, right, right, right. Yeah, it's just one of those. Things. And 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 that's, and that's the one thing about spiritual growth is when you get saved, everything that you're doing is helping your spiritual man. You don't see him. But every time you pray, you, it's like you lifting weights. Mm. Every time you read that word, you lifting weights. Every time you fast, you lifting weights in your spiritual man. And what's going to happen if you do it over time? And this is really, be honest with you, this is really why that group before us that got saved in uh, the early 1900s, why they were so successful, why you hear so many stories of God moving with them. The difference between them. And as you see the generations progress even further, was their diligence, their dependence, their ability to get up every day and do the same thing. Mm. Every day, they're going to read their word. Every day, they're going to pray. Every week, they're going to fast. When you look at the group now, they're more prone to come to church but they're not doing the everyday stuff. Mm. That's the issue. Every day you got to get up and read that word. Every day you got to pray. Every week or, or as many days as you possibly can, you got to fast. My father first got saved. Him and the brothers would get together. They fast in three days a week. Wow. Well, your uh, your uh, your uncle. Uh, Elder Ronald Sanders, he told me one year he fasted seven, he fasted five days a week for a whole year. Mm. And he said, he said, dude, I started hearing the voice of God. You know what I'm saying? But a lot of times what we do, we get saved. We, we on this high. We glad to testify. We glad to clap. We glad to shout. And then we, we, we start coming to church. Mm. Mm. But has anybody ever talked to you about how to build that real relationship with God to the point that he starts speaking to you and he become real? If God is not tangible, if he's not real to you, 
it's easy for you to be fooled and to do something stupid, you know. And, and a lot of times you see a lot of young people, they don't hang in there because nobody never taught them how to get to the point where God has become real. Uh, Once he becomes real and he starts talking to you, he starts communing with you, he starts fellowshipping with you, that person's not going to backslide. Mm. There's no way. There's no way. It's impossible. You, so, you, you just said so much, so many good things. Um, we wish we could, you know, continue this conversation. We definitely have to bring you on for a part two. Um, bring you back on the podcast so we can talk about the beginning stages of Land That Foundation for a relationship for sure. Uh, so we definitely thank you for coming on. Uh, man, the conversation was, it was edifying. It was a blessing. I'm sure the listeners are going to be blessed as well. As soon as they listen, uh, as soon as they listen, uh, so yeah, uh, Elder John, we, we appreciate it, sir. We definitely appreciate it. Oh man, anytime, man. And you and your wife, y'all keep doing a good thing, man. Push those young people from a spiritual perspective and, and, and create an opportunity where they can grow. Hopefully, you'll be sensitive in those services where God will use you to do great things. You'd be surprised what God will do, man. So, I'm excited for you guys, man. <clears throat> amen, amen. We, we, we definitely take that with us. With the, you know, we definitely appreciate those kind of words. Uh, but until next time, listeners, uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, don't forget to check out our YouTube channel, our Facebook page, Discernment Amongst Youth. If you would like to donate, dollar sign, capital D as in David, capital A as in Apple, youth. That's our cash app. If you want to support this platform to help us push this podcast and get this the word out. And more creative y'all, ways. Y'all, y'all, y'all raising donations. Come on now. Yeah, you know. Hey, look, you know, we gotta we gotta hey, make look, sure you know, we, 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 we <laughs> getting it out there. You know what I'm saying? So hopefully people can support. You know, of course it's it's uh it's optional, you know. We ain't right, right, right. I got we ain't got the ten dollar prayer line. No, 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 That's what that's one thing I love about Wayback, man. It's never been a money driven church and uh uh working with the young people we gave us a chance to also partnership with other auxiliaries where they will always help us out. Cause young people ain't got no money, man. But the mother auxiliaries, like the missionaries, they got money for days. That's, right? it, that's, <laughs> it, that's it. That's it. So yeah, so we just trying to come so, yeah, and so help support the ministry, you know. So but yeah, appreciate it once again, yeah, Elder John. And uh anytime, man. We'll talk to you next time. Oh right, yes, sir. All right. All right God, God bless.